Hi, this is Des, and you're listening to Delving with Des podcast. Hi, this is Des with Delving with Des, and today we have two ladies that I'm interviewing today. One of them is Samantha Patrick, and the other one is Corinne Vitnell. Isn't that right? Yep. Got that right? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, ladies. Thank you, Des. It's Thank really you, good Des. that you're on Delving with Des. And the reason why we're on board is because Samantha has been instrumental in the, in finding and owning uh, Tikva Education Australia, which is a really interesting name that probably most people don't understand. So perhaps, Samantha, first of all, you can tell us how that name came about and, and what it does. Yeah, well, um, back in 2021... When um, the Lord started downloading this vision, yeah, he, um, yeah, it was like I just had this picture in my mind, like this right. unfolding story in my yeah. mind. And so, as he was unfolding this to me, I was then I was saying to him, Lord, how am I going to do this? I, yeah. I am stuck in bed on chemotherapy. How how on earth am I going to build this? And so, as he was unfolding it, he he was then. You know, he was giving me all sorts of instructions, and one was naming it. Wow, yes. So um, you better explain what that tikva means. Yeah, so tikva means hope in Hebrew. Ah, right. So hence, yeah, the, the reason for what you're doing, the education yeah. stuff. Yes. That's really cool. Now we have Corinne with us as well, and Corinne's got an amazing title, and that is Global Community Engagement Officer. How cool is that? It's well, you, you cool. should be earning millions of dollars with a title <laughs> like that, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's Just talk to your boss, see what you can come <laughs> up with. <laughs> it's, it's really good. We're, we're going to do another show probably in the new year with Samantha to talk about her life because she's led a very, very interesting, very challenging journey from a faith perspective and a, and a health perspective, I guess, and, and all the things that's happened in your world. And so we'll do that as a separate exercise. So we have Tikva Educational Australia, Education Australia. Tell us what that organization does. What is it, what's its aim? And how did, why did you see the need for it? Well, I'm a primary school teacher. And my I, sister was a primary school teacher. Oh wow! And I looked at her and said, "There's no way in this earth I want to do that." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I actually, um, I've always wanted to be a primary school yeah, teacher, yeah. and I actually didn't get the marks that I needed to get into university. Oh, oh, that's and a bit so of a I, I, I took a different avenue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and I ended up in a law firm. Um, I really enjoyed my job, but then, yeah, life just took a turn. So, so, Samantha, tell me about Tikva Education Australia. Tell me why it came into existence and tell me what it does. So Tikva Education Australia is um, it's a service that supports kids who are more than 18 months behind. Right. So as an educator, I, um, I came across many kids who were significantly behind. Yeah. Significantly behind to the point where, like, for example... In year six and still learning to read. Oh, right. You know, kinder- right. kindergarten level skills. Yeah. And it really it really broke my heart. Yeah, of course. And so when I could no longer um, work in the school um, yeah. because of my health situation, I, I decided to take a different avenue. Right. You know, the, basically the, the Lord downloaded a new job opportunity for me. Yeah. And yeah. I took that. Um, so... Yeah, Tigva means hope 
in Hebrew mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. all about bringing hope to children and youth. Yeah, because I guess that children, you know, if they're suffering because they can't keep up with the rest of their class, I mean, that affects their self-esteem. It affects, you know, how they interact with other kids. It affects everything in their world. So, I mean, it's really good that you have that program. It's a shame that the system itself doesn't identify those and fix those problems. But, but what you're... So tell me how... It actually works. So I, I'm I'm a parent. I've got a couple of kids. One of them is a slow learner. Let's say if that's what we're talking about. So what would how would they know about you, and how and what would that look like? Would they explain that to me? Well, usually I connect with the school. Sometimes okay. I I get contacted directly. Okay. So people find yeah, yeah. out, and then they yeah. just call up, and we have a chat about it, or I contact the schools. Right. Um, and so, you know, in schools, there's there's big classes, yeah. and many kids really do struggle in those big classes. Mm. You know, they can get left behind. Um, there's a lot of behavioural challenges. The role of yeah. a teacher is very demanding. Yeah. Um, And so what I'm wanting to provide is a one-on-one opportunity for kids to give them the amount of support that they need to actually catch up. So it's not just about an hour a week. It's not about, you know, helping them to then progress at the same rate that they progress through the year levels. It's helping them progress in a way that they will will catch up faster. So the goal is to actually get them caught up by the time they finish their primary school education. Right. So is it mainly primary school that you deal with, or is it only primary school you deal with? Well, the Hotline Academy is from grade two to grade eight. Okay. The reason for grade two is because it's students who are more than 18 months behind. Right. And the reason for grade eight is because I want to catch those kids who haven't caught up. Yeah. But eventually... You know, once there's once once we have more funding, yeah. I eventually want to be able to reach all the kids who are more than eighteen months behind. So one of the things that we talked off air about, and let me just put it out there for people who are listening, I mean the the um, Tikva Education Australia is looking for business sponsors who will help with the program. But also, Samantha's setting up her own foundation, which will be a not-for-profit. And at that point, you know, people can donate tax-free, you know, to really help this, this really essential work uh, grow and expand right across Australia, let's say. So I just want to put that up front so the listeners know what, what we're about, know why we're doing what we're doing. And, and it's, it's just so amazing, your passion for... For what you do, and, and I, I love it. And I remember my sister, who was a, was a primary school teacher, I mean, she was so passionate about her kids and um, and just loved on them and cared for them. And they were just like part of her extended family, you know. She had five kids of her own, but, you know, it was a big extended family. She did it all through her life. And so, you know, I understand that passion that you have for kids. How do kids end up, do you think, uh, being you know, at, at a point where they're, you know, they're 18 months behind. How does that happen in, in our schooling system? There's a variety of different reasons. There yeah. could be things going on um, in the home. Yeah. Um, there could be maybe a sudden traumatic event that can then impact them for years years um, it, maybe they just learn in different ways and it's not mm-hmm. just clicking for them um, there are so many different reasons that you know there are many who have disabilities um, 
And that's why I'm wanting to create a service that's completely personalised. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's there's no standardised testing. Yeah. You know, we, we do assessment in a way that it works for the child. You know, even if it means that we need to do play-based assessment, play-based learning yeah. for some children because some children are so um, discouraged yeah. Yeah. that they don't even want to come near a teacher. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. there's been some scenarios where, you know, they find out that I'm a teacher and I completely lose rapport and I have to build that up again. So each of the children, um, I mean, as you rightly said, they would all have got to the point from different ways. You know, it may be they're just a slow developer. It may be influence of bad teaching, maybe. Uh, maybe parental uh, and the impact of you know, parents breaking up or whatever the, the, that scenario looks like. The, my point is that each of, as you rightly said, each of those children need education specifically to help them move forward, right? Mm. That's right. And that's right. what you're aiming for. Yeah, so that's right. You need to get to know the child. You need to get to know the family. Mm. You need to know... Um, you need to know their educational needs, their emotional needs. Um, when it comes to behaviour management, it's it's on a much greater level than what a classroom teacher can provide. Yes. You know, we want to be able to work much more closely with the family than what yeah. is possible as a classroom teacher. Wow. I mean, that's uh, so how do you do that? So you know, some kid comes along to you and they've got this learning slowness, if we could define it that way. Uh, do you go to the school and te- coach them in the school or do you coach them at at their home or how does that look? It depends on the situation. So yeah. if, um, you know, it's most ideal that children aren't taken out of the classroom. Yes. Um, but if in their certain situation it is more beneficial for them to get the instruction during class time, then we do set it up in that way. And there are many, you know, many schools that will work together with us to be able to provide this service for them because we all know that one-on-one, you know, tuition is extremely beneficial for kids. Yeah. And so we do also provide out-of-school services um, for those kids, like particularly as they hit high school, they're more focused on their social life. Um, And it can, um, for them, they don't want someone coming in and helping them. And so outside of school time is much better. And even even providing um, local excursion-based programs for those kids who struggle with sitting down at the tabletop and doing a lesson, we'll go out to the beach or to the local park and we'll do a lesson there. Uh, And there is so much learning that can happen in any environment. We're going to take a short break and we'll come back in the second part of uh, Delving with Des. We're talking with Samantha Patrick and Corinne Vitnell from Tikva Education Australia. It's really good. We'll be back shortly. You're listening to Delving with Des. Hi, we're back with Delving with Des, and we have Samantha Patrick and Corinne Vitnell with us from Tikva. It's hard to say that <laughs> Tikva Education Australia. And just before the break, we were talking about you know how children develop and and the fact that they don't develop the same way. There's some kids that will work really well in a classroom environment and do really well, and there's other people like I was who hated school, yeah. and uh, and to, and obviously were in some areas were slow to develop. And so what Tikva does is 
takes those children who are maybe 18 months or more um, behind in their education process and then does one-on-one education with them. So tell me, how is that currently funded? Is that only through donations right now? Yes, at the moment it's through don- donations yeah. um, and I'm in a position where I'm able to, to build this this program yeah. um, to the point where it can become self-sustainable. Wow, that's a, I mean, that's the aim, isn't it, for all non-for-profit organisations, no matter who they are, that's they want right. to get to a point where they're self-sustainable through people being interested in what they do. Uh, can you get government grants to do what you do? Uh, yes, we can apply for government grants, yeah. but the the primary way that that I've wanted to build this is we, you know, we're, we're teachers. Mm. We can create educational programs, um, and then um, we can sell them. And then right. not only are we having an impact with kids who are more than eighteen months behind, these programs are actually sold nationally and internationally, and helping you know kids and teens all over Australia and all over the world. And wow. so that's that's the plan yeah. to be able to create these programs, to sell them, yeah. and then to generate our own income yeah. because what is happening is we are working with young people who in many cases when they're significantly behind like this, we're talking about kids who end up um, having significant behavioural mm. concerns, yeah. not just in the school, but in yeah. the home yeah. and then on the streets. And then some of them can even end up on the road toward juvenile detention. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so the amount of money that that requires, you know, taxpayers' money, yeah. it's a huge amount of money, over $700,000 per year per child in juvenile detention. $700,000 Over $700,000 per year per child in juvenile detention. So what I'm wanting to do is establish a way to generate funding that boosts the economy. Yeah, yeah. And so what yeah. better way to do that than to promote tourism? Oh, and so okay. we have our educational programs, um, one of them named Australian Tourism, which is educational programs um, all around Australia. Yeah. And then Global Communications, which is educational programs internationally. Oh wow! Yes, I mean it's it's absolutely huge what your what your goals are and so forth and and it's uh, so how do schools react to you know your methodology and what you do? I mean, do you find that they are supportive or do you find that they find it confrontational or you know how how do they by and large deal with you know what you're offering? Yeah, it is. Um, I think it's a mixed response. Yeah, okay. You know, we have some people who who are on board and, and yes, uh, you know, because we're very much wanting to support public schools. We're yeah, wanting yeah. we're wanting the children to thrive in their education. Mm. Uh, we don't want kids to not be you know, um, learning effectively in the classroom and then to end up in other, you know, going down other avenues, um, we want them, you know, being successful in yes. the mainstream school. And yeah. so what we're wanting is to be working collaboratively with the schools. Yeah. We want the schools to realise that, that we are for them. We're here, we're, we're, we're another service that is, that is saying, okay, we're coming in to say we can provide this one-on-one service mm. to be able to help your kids succeed. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, I love that. It's really cool. And they don't have to pay for it, which is even better. Exactly yeah, right. That, I mean, that's a win-win, isn't it, really? You know, so for, so for people who are listening who've got young kids and maybe, you know, they, they think they're falling behind or whatever, can they contact you guys directly? Is that what they would do or would yes. they go through the school? Yes, we can be contacted directly, yeah. but then we work. We, my primary goal is to work collaboratively with the schools. Ah, that's cool. And just let me give the website, which is Tikva Education Australia. Australia.com.au. And so I actually have the website up here, and it's really cool. Yeah. I really love what you guys do. And so, uh, so let's talk about uh, mainstream education and where it's lacking and why your program sort of slots in there. Is it because there's too many children in each class alongside children are all different and they have different needs uh, and different timings? of those needs. I'm going to give Samantha a little break and I'm going to ask Corinne to, to step in and help answer that question. Can you repeat that? Of course I can. No, no, what I'm saying is uh, the mainstream media, uh, the mainstream education, right, has a, a program for all kids in the class, right? But obviously, you know, the way kids grow up in their home, you know, the food that they get to eat, you know, maybe don't get food to eat, they, you know, their capability for learning is different for every child, yeah. and so you know what you what this organisation provides is a means for that individual to catch up and to um, help their self esteem and help their self confidence and all those things. Mm-hmm. How did the school react to that when they when they see that? Are they by and large on board, or are they? Um, think, oh, we can do that better or... Well, I think, like Samantha said, it's been a mixed response from, um, from... Samantha, I'll have to just say this, Samantha is the most passionate teacher I've ever, ever come across in my life. And what she has done for the children that we do have in the Hotline Academy at the moment is incredible. And her developing one-on-one plans um, to that individual's needs is what's so important. And I do believe that's why Tick for Education Australia is so successful in getting these children to you know, to grow and to, yeah. and to become at stage level. Um, and also acknowledging that children don't learn the same. Yes. And I think that's a big yes. issue that we do have in the education system is that every child deserves to be able to learn the way they need to learn. Yeah. And Samantha does that. She she gets the programs, she individualises them, she works with the families um, and she just does an amazing job. And yeah. these children uh, love learning with her. So... I think Samantha's idea of um, education is what one should all adopt. So you mentioned something there that we haven't talked about before, and that is the Hotline Academy. Explain to me what that is. Is that is that the mechanism that you use within Tikva Education Australia? Is that how does that work? Yeah. So the Hotline Academy is the name that I came up with for this program for kids and youth who are more than eighteen months behind. Okay. So Hotline is an acronym. It means hope through literacy and numeracy. Oh, cool! Mm-hmm. Oh, that's excellent. That's really. And cool. I thought it was very yeah. suitable because yeah. we are putting them in the Hotline to catch up. Yes. Oh no, that's good. I love that. I really do. That's good. So that's the that is the outworking of what Tikva actually do. Is that's that, right. Is that right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. Cool. That's, that's really good. So, so moving forward from there, some schools are, are happy with the program. Some schools are not. I guess the more teachers you have and the more resources you have, the bigger the impact. I mean, that's just a natural sort of thing. So, 
if you let's say you know there was a school in Katoomba or wherever Toowoomba, wherever it happened to be, and they saw a need, right, and they would contact you. Would you appoint a teacher in that environment, or how would how does that work? Yes, yeah, so we have um, a variety of different ways that we can deliver the service. For some yeah. students, they are very happy and content with learning online. So yeah. we can then provide them with a teacher who is in any state of Australia because they can deliver the service online. Right. But what I'm also wanting to do is employ interstate, any any teacher in any state of Australia, so that we for those students who need the face-to-face instruction, mm-hmm. I can then allocate a teacher to them. But obviously that will take time as, yeah. as we build this, this program. Um, so wherever there is the need... I then I then fill the need. So, what would that teacher look like? Um, would just be a normal mainstream primary school teacher, or do they have to have special skills? Or what yes. would they what would they look like? Yes. So they need to be a qualified teacher. Sure. Um, with their accreditation. Yeah. Um, because you know these these kids are significantly behind, mm. and I need to. Um, ensure that the teachers are delivering evidence-based teaching practices and that they know the national literacy and numeracy learning progressions according to ACARA um, because they are the national standards. Right, Um, right. And so they need to um, be very knowledgeable of that. And in terms of um, a recruitment strategy, because I understand that it's – already very difficult for for schools to find teachers. Yeah, yeah. And so what I'm wanting to do is all the ideas that I have uh, are for wide-reaching impact. And so even in terms of recruitment, I'm establishing um, the University Scholarship Fund to train up pre-service teachers to deliver Mm -hmm. evidence-based teaching practices to have a deep understanding of the literacy and numeracy learning progressions and to make sure that, that when they graduate, they, um, they feel confident in what they're doing. Yeah. Um, because in my own personal experience, I felt a little bit like a fish out of water. Uh. Um, you know, I was quite nervous starting out as, as a teacher. And if, if you're a, um, a new teacher and you're assigned, say, a kindergarten class, yeah. and you've never taught a child how to read, you know, you might have learned the theory behind it at university. Yeah. You might have put a, a little bit of practice into it during internship, um, but you really don't have a, no, a lot of yeah. knowledge about it. There's that foundational year yeah. somewhat lost. And then, you know, for kids to catch up, it just makes it harder. And by the yeah. time, you know, they're in year two and year three, it's no, it's no longer learning to read, it's reading to learn. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's, uh, that's really interesting. So we're going to take another short break, and we're going to get back and talk about uh, an adventure that uh, these guys are going on in the next uh, little while. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back shortly. You're listening to Delving with Des. So we're back with Delving with Des, and I have with me today Samantha Patrick. Thank you again, Samantha, and Corinne Vitnell, who is the Global Community Engagement Officer. So it's really, it's really cool to tell. I wish <laughs> I had a, that title when I was in the corporate world. I'm so good. Yeah, kind of change the world with a title like that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. Anyway, um, back to uh, Tikva Education Australia. And one of the things 
that the guys have been talking about is a venture that's coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, hence, I was putting the show on now. Um, and, I, and they're actually going to take a group of kids from 9 to 14-year-olds, seven of them, and they're going to do the Kakoda Trail, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, so tell me a bit how that came about and why you're doing it and what the value is. Tell me about that. One of our educational programs is uh, global communications. Right. We are travelling internationally to yeah. create authentic learning opportunities for young people. Right. So we've already travelled over to Papua New Guinea. We're working on the first program um, titled the, the People of Papua New Guinea. Right. Now, um, we decided that it would be um, of great benefit for us to educate young people about Australia's connections with Papua New Guinea and the war. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so our intention is to create an educational program that teaches that. Wow. And so also at the same time, we have um, what I've called the School of Wanderers. Ah. And so... Students who are in the Hotline Academy are automatically eligible to be sponsored to participate in both national and international excursions. Oh, right. And so this, uh, this first excursion, our pilot program, um, will be taking students over to Papua New Guinea to walk the Kokoda Trail. And so, you know, this is an opportunity that not a lot of people get. Not yeah. even a lot of adults no, would I, do something I've never, like this. I've never this, done it. You know, <laughs> and uh, when I was in primary school, I never travelled internationally. No, and so no. what I'm wanting is, particularly for these kids who are, are significantly behind, some kids who have, you know, very challenging behaviours, um, kids who, who are really far behind can have, you know, difficulties with their emotional well-being. So mm. to give them a, a sense of uh, vision... Yes. Oh, that's cool. You know, why why not give them this opportunity to go overseas, to take them beyond the four walls of the classroom mm. and educate them by immersing them? Yes. Because I firmly believe that the the best way to learn is to immerse yourself. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I struggled. I have to say I struggled with history and geography in high school. It, it went straight over my head. Uh, with me, it was French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when I started travelling internationally, yeah. I got it. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. when I travelled to Israel and I saw the, ar the archaeological sites and I'm like, wow, this place was uncovered? Yeah. Like it was buried in dirt before? Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, yeah. it, it was just like the, the history books that you read, yeah. it came alive. Yes, of course. And and Israel being such a, an amazing history, you know, world impacting history, yes. uh, for all you know, good solid faith reasons. For example, you know, to be able to go walk the paths that Jesus walked and so forth. I mean, that's just mind blowing. Yes. And uh, my my brother, who's a Baptist pastor, he actually has led tours to Israel, and he it's just mind blowing, you know, to walk those places and see things that you know. Yeah, so I love that. So anyway, back to the good trail. <laughs> I get off track a little bit. <laughs> so Sorry about that. Yeah, so um, just learning the, the history, learning about the people. Yeah. It's just such an important thing for, for young people to know about. Yes. 
and then to to be able to walk it themselves yeah. and experience what they experienced. Yeah, yeah. And people talk about it to others as well. Yeah, 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 that's it's, right. That's cool. That's right. And then they come back talking all about the history that, yeah. you know, you could have learned it from textbooks, but they wouldn't wow. be able to talk about it with such passion no, exactly. if they just learned it from a textbook. Wow. So how do you pick the seven kids who are going to go? So this first program is um, part of it's also about telling the community about us. Okay. And yeah, so yeah. there are some, um, you know, students who aren't Hotline Academy students, yeah. but are students who are eligible to come along, who are fit and well enough to come along, yeah. who are coming along so that um, we can make what we're doing known. Yeah. But yeah. there are also some Hotline Academy students yeah. who are being given this opportunity, wow. which I think is absolutely brilliant. You know, this can change the course of a child's life. Absolutely. And, you know, there's bound to be um, organisations and wealthy organisations in the Port Macquarie region who you know, are passionate about kids and kids' development and, and giving kids an opportunity they wouldn't normally have. And so, like Port Macquarie is a pretty wealthy town. So I encourage men, men and businesses who are listening, who've got, you know, want to, you know, do a bit of marketing or spend, you know, spend some dollars to help these guys bring these kids across to the Kokoda Trail. I mean, maybe I'll put my hand up and I'll come along too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think, you know, there's bound to be lots of organisations in town who say, you know, I, you know, I can give $1,000 here or I can give $5,000 or whatever that looks like to help some kids do life better. Yeah, and my other ministry, as I said to you before, is about helping men do life better, but much more valuable if you can get kids doing life better because they'll grow into better human beings, better men, better women, better members of society and so forth. And so this is breaking ground. I think it's just amazing what you're doing. So you're going to go on the Kokoda Trail. I don't know if I would survive the Kokoda <laughs> Trail, to be honest. But you're taking these kids who are from 9 to 14, seven of them, and you're going from the 6th of November to the 22nd of November. Wow, what a big responsibility. Are you, are you cool for that? Yeah, that's yes, we're up for it. Yeah. Um and even in terms of, you know, behavioral challenges yeah. and taking taking young people on an international trip to yeah. Papua New Guinea. Yeah. You know, a place where, you know, you don't experience the same sort of uh safety. Yes, exactly. as we do over here. Yeah. And so, you know, these young people who who maybe you know young people who just walk out of class or yeah. you know are disruptive in class they have to learn that if they want to continue going on international trips yeah. then you know their behavior is absolutely paramount yeah. and so not only are they learning literacy and numeracy skills they're learning how to conduct themselves yeah. to walk responsibly through an airport you know, to yeah. sit responsibly on an aeroplane and, you know, we all know how annoying it is when someone's <laughs> kicking our chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so all of these these important life skills that that is just so valuable for a, for a young person to have. So how do the parents feel? I mean, you've got these seven kids. Um, obviously, you have to have the parents' approval or maybe the exactly. parents go, whatever that looks like. So, so how do you convince them the parents to let their kid 
come with you to Papua, Papua New Guinea? How does how well, does that go? It actually wasn't very difficult. It ah, was okay. it was more so the response was, "Wow, yeah. I, you, I you never take got them, to please. do that." And they they wanted to come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please take them. Give me ten days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they actually saw it as as uh, excellent opportunity. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know and. And I suppose there are some parents out there who, who would have hesitations. Yes, of course. Um, but I, I'm very, very, very firm in the processes. Yeah. That we, you know, yeah. the safety, like particularly with the first trip that, that we went on, even yeah. the safety of my own employees yeah. was yeah. absolutely paramount. Absolutely. Let alone the safety of, of young people yeah. going over. And so we have five adults going over right. Um, right. and seven children. And, you know, the, the safety of the children yeah. is absolutely imperative. And, and understandable. That's mm. totally expected, by the mm. way. You know, if I was a parent, which I am, but if I, I had young kids and they were going on this, I would want to know that, you know, you're going to look after my kids like they were your own. That's right. So, mm. That sort of view. Exactly right. And the yeah. people that we're doing the um, tour with, which is Kokoda Historical, yeah. Um, they're ex-army. Um, they're all uh, military, okay. military personnel. So we're in good hands. <laughs> we're in good hands. <laughs> well, that's really, really good to know. But it's interesting that those kids are going to be walking 96 kilometres across the 14 days. I mean, that's what, how many kilometres a day? Well, Nine kilometres yeah, a day or something? Yeah, it is, but it's... Um, Eight to ten hour walk yeah. because eight to ten hour walk. Wow, each day. Each day. Yeah. yeah. So when I was uh, speaking with some of them, actually, I said to them, "You are going to hurt. Yes, your legs will hurt. You will probably whinge and whine, and so will we." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what do you do if it, one of the children gets a blister, for example, on their in their feet? And they can't walk any further. What do you do in that scenario? Yeah, I I suppose it's just something that we we need to manage as yeah. as we go along. But in the preparation, you know, it's it, there's um, Kokoda Historical actually have a whole list of preparations, right. um, including looking after your feet because okay. over there yeah. the humidity is extreme, yeah. um, and you need to make sure that your your feet are looked after. So all these kids are they doing exercises to get themselves ready for this event? Or uh, yes, a lot of them are fit. <laughs> oh, they're fitter ready. They okay. tend exploring. to be fitter than most. Very active ad- young people. Ah, yeah. uh, cool. Uh, that is a great. Great experience. Mm. So as I said before, the website is uh, uh So can people donate on there for this program on y- the website? Yeah, so um, at this point in time, we, we are working on establishing the Samantha Joy Patrick Foundation yeah. in which um, individuals can donate into the foundation once it's been established. Yeah. At this point in time, we're asking if there's um, business or organisations who are willing to uh, sponsor our events. And yes, the educational programs that we create from these will be sold nationally and internationally. And yeah. um, those those organisations and businesses who sponsor us, they you know they will be included in those programs. That's that's really cool. We're going to take another break, and we'll be back with the fourth part of the show in a few minutes. You're listening to Delving with Des. 
Hi, we're back with Delving with Des, and we have Samantha Patrick and Corinne Vittnell with us. And again, you guys are so passionate about what you do. It's amazing to, to hear the passion in your voice. And, and we're talking about this Kokoda Trail, and I'm glad you're doing it, not me. <laughs> it's amazing. But you're taking these seven kids, you're going for 14 days, they're from 9 to 14 they have a whole range of issues in their world um, and and you're going there to educate them and just change their lives, essentially. And so we've been talking about how people can help with that venture. And so there's two ways you can do that. Um, the first one is on the website, which is Tikfa uh, Education Australia and also by going on to Facebook and Tikfa Education Services, have a look for that. Um, and... And they will be posting when they can from the Kokoda Trail with photographs of all these kids doing interesting stuff and, and learning and growing. And it's going to be absolutely fantastic. So obviously the driver, Samantha, for you, I guess both of you, is where you are from a faith point of view. I mean, you wouldn't be doing what you do. You wouldn't be passionate about what you're doing if it wasn't based around you know, a belief system, a faith, and so forth. Can you talk about how those intertwine for you? Yeah, so to build something um, so big, the vision is massive, Yeah, um, requires a lot of faith. Yeah. You know, um, particularly with with my health journey at the moment, you know, the the specific instruction that I got from the Lord was to live as if I don't have cancer. And so wow. what that does for me is it changes my decisions. Right. Because if I was living as if I had cancer, no way would I think that I could build something like this. There's no way you'd want to go on the Kokoda Trail for no. one. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely shock my doctors uh, regularly yeah. Um, yeah. when I inform them of the next thing that I would like to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, th I find that so admirable because there's so many people who'll be listening to the show who will have serious health issues and and the natural recourse is to say, I'm going to give up, I'm going to sit at home, uh, you know, I can't, I've got nothing to contribute, I'm just going to look after myself. And here's a young lady who's passionate, who loves what she does, who's gone through cancer She's gone through losing her husband. She's gone through all this stuff in her world. And I guess all the listeners will have heard the passion that comes through in her voice. And that only comes from having a strong faith. Yes, that's yeah. right. So can you, can, you talk, can you talk briefly about how you came to be on that faith journey? How did that come about? My faith journey in terms of this, this project Everything. that I'm building and just in general. Yeah. Well, my faith journey actually began when I was in year eight. I was wow. in, I was invited by a friend to go to youth group, oh, right. and that just, just changed my world. Yeah, cool. Um, and you know, my faith has actually helped me through all of my life challenges. Yeah, and even even as I was, um, you know, undergoing high do high dose chemo, continuing to to undergo high dose chemo, there was one point where I felt my mind going down into that downward spiral right. of hopelessness. Right. You know, woe is me, you know, why Why do bad things keep happening to me? You know, yeah. I've lost my husband. It's, it's just been such a challenging mm. journey through life and now I've got cancer. Yeah. And so, you know, when I was going through that downward spiral, I actually jumped out of bed 
And I started pacing backwards and forwards through my lounge room saying, no, I was speaking the promises of God over my life. He had given me so many promises. He'd, he'd already given this vision. He'd, compl- he'd downloaded it like it was a picture in my head. Wow. And so I'm like, no, I'm speaking these promises. Yeah. Despite the fact that I'm going through these challenges, despite the fact that chemotherapy is a horrible thing, mm. I'm going to keep walking forward because wow. he said to me, live as if you don't have cancer. Wow. And I think wow. there's, you know, much greater impact. Like the Apostle Paul, he had a thorn in his side yeah. and he pleaded with the Lord three times. Yeah that the Lord would take this thing away from him. And, you know, it's one of the biggest questions in life that people ask, you know, if God was real, why is there suffering in the world? Even the Apostle Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament, you know, and inspires so many people to this day, he had a thorn in his side, whatever that was. Yeah, we don't know what that was. We don't know what that was. (laughs) And so my thorn is cancer. And it reminds me every day, it keeps me humble. Yeah. You know, it keeps it reminds me that, that this vision is not mine, yeah. that this is the Lord's, and I'm simply a faithful steward. Yeah. And, and, that's and, great. and I thank, you know, I thank the Lord um, that I can watch him being glorified. Yeah. Yeah, because it's good. not about me. Yeah. It's not about the Tikva team. We are simply just the stewards holding on to the golden nugget that he's yeah. given us yeah. and we are faithfully distributing the wealth of the golden nugget. That, that's, that's the way that I think of no, it. No, that's crazy. and uh, it's, it's a good crazy. Uh, you know, it's really interesting because I think what the situation does do, it reminds you that you, there's no guarantee of tomorrow. And so every day is a new experience, an opportunity to change somebody's life. And, and I think, you know, whether you have an illness or not, from a faith point of view, we all should be living in that paradigm. You know, that, you know, we have we've been blessed with another day. Who can I influence today for good? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, no yeah. one can guarantee tomorrow. No. no one can guarantee old age. No. You well, I, I've got it now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you about that in another conversation. <laughs> but but you know, but it's true, isn't it? It's it's just you, know, you guys have got this amazing opportunity to change, especially young kids' lives, and and you're doing it in an amazing way. Um, and and the God, in a God way, and I love the fact you said you know this is all about glorifying God rather than glorifying ourselves because it's so easy to fall into that trap, isn't it? Especially when you're in ministry, which is which this is, um, it's so easy to fall into that trap to say, oh, this is my ministry, and I'm this is where I'm taking it, sort of thing. And yeah. So, yeah. And what what I'm wanting to do is is build a legacy. Yeah. You know, because all of us only have a certain amount of time to live. Yeah. Eventually all of us will go. Yeah. I want to leave something behind yeah. that will continue to have an impact on, yeah. you know, generation to generation to generation. Wow. You know, and, and the Lord continuing to be glorified because yeah. he will continue on forever and forevermore. Yes, yes. You know, but but our time will, will come to a close. Mm. And so, you know, when our time is done, we don't take any of our things with us. No, that's exactly right. We don't take yeah. anything with us. Yeah. But what I what I want to take is is the knowledge that I 
I simply did what the Lord instructed yeah. me to do. Yeah. And as challenging as challenging as my life has been, and uh, there are many challenges that I must face. Yeah. But that is okay because He says to pick up your cross. Yeah. Carry exactly. your cross and, and, and follow Him. It's really interesting that some of the the churches today, you know, promise a a better life. Uh, when you come to Christ, for example, and and it, but what it doesn't mean is that you'll have more wealth or you'll have more of anything, but you have a purpose and a goal and things that will drive you in a better way than you would have had in the past. Yeah, yeah. and I, I have to say, you know, my heart is wealthy. Yeah, yeah, my exactly. heart is full. Yeah, Jesus never said that it would be easy. No, Jesus had to, you know, uh, he he was upon the cross. Yeah. He was crucified, yeah. you know, uh, he was beaten until he mm. was unrecognisable. Yeah. He never said it was going to be easy, no. but what he promised was that he would always be with us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so that is that is the wealth that is within yeah. me, the wealth of knowing that I have eternal life. Yeah. You know, I yeah. don't have to be afraid. Yeah. I yeah. can simply just, you know, keep living. Like I wake up every morning and I'm like, thank you, Lord. Yeah. I have another day. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that thankfulness that we have within us, that is what comes from the Lord. That is what enables you to live with hope, peace, joy, all the fruits of the Spirit, despite yeah. what's going on around you. Yeah. That is the wealth that we get from Jesus Christ. And this is coming from a lady, by the way, a young lady who lives in the caravan. And that's right. <laughs> so the wealth is certainly not dollars and cents, that's for sure, right? Yes. So, but that's, it's very important that, that our listeners hear that information from yourself it's really really cool so just uh, let's go through it again tikvaeducationaustralia.com.au is the website facebook same one tikva education australia search for it on uh, on facebook watch as they go on this trail but to businesses who are listening please think about uh, donating to this cause helping these guys to do this trail uh, and changing seven lives forever. I mean, that's what it's all about. And that will go on and on and different adventures and different learnings and so forth. So I just want to give each of you 30 seconds to say one last thing. I, I'm just so thankful for what the Lord is doing. Yeah. I'm so, I feel so privileged to be in this position, to be able to help young people who so many of them I see are just in a state of hopelessness. Mm. You know, they, they just get so discouraged and it mm. really, really touches my heart. And I, I have the means, I have the power to be able to make change. Mm. I'm just one person, yeah. but I can do something that can then have a flow-on effect to you know, impact the world. Yeah, that's great. That's really Corinne, what's your last thoughts? Um, You've well, been quite quiet, yeah. actually. <laughs> um, my passion, obviously, is just to help children. I love yeah. children. Um, and, you know, I get really disheartened when I see them not being um, able to be the best that they can possibly be. Yeah, so no, it's, yeah it can't get much better than that. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you guys for your time today. It's been really cool interviewing you both. Thank and you, and uh, the people who listen will enjoy listening to the conversation for sure. So thank you. Thank you, thank Des. You, Des. You have been listening to the podcast of Delving with Des. 